What a great, uh, what a great privilege to get to join you all here at church, uh, the Father's house this morning during our Christmas season, uh, you know, just celebrating, uh, celebrating our Savior, amen? What a great thing uh, that the church is. You know, the church is a place where people's lives are changed. You know, um, Doug was saying, you are not alone. And I know that kind of throws us back to the 70s and aliens and things like that. But that's the reality is that we're not alone in this world. You're not alone in your struggles. You're not alone in your trials. That God Almighty has come through, through Jesus Christ into your life, into this world. Through Jesus, he came down into our world of brokenness to rescue and to save us. What an awesome God we serve. What a wonderful thing that we get to celebrate at Christmas as we just reflect on Jesus, as we reflect on the goodness of God together. It's been a little while since I've done this, so I'll try not to speak too fast. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's been a little while, but uh, you know, what a great thing just to, to get to share with you. Praise God for that. Um, you know, this morning, you and I and everyone in the whole world, uh, we are on a collision course with Jesus. Did you know that? You are on a collision course with Jesus. Uh, every person in this church, every person in Morinville, every person across Canada, uh, they are on a collision course with Jesus. Every person around the world, all the way over in Timbuktu, they are on a collision course with Jesus. And so it doesn't matter really what you believe about Jesus or how, how, you know, where you're at in your spiritual journey. I just want you to know that you are on a collision course with Jesus, a collision course with the one that, you know, is called light of very light. Remember the old creed, uh, God of very God, begotten, not made, who for us and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary and was made man. You are on a collision course with this one who is Jesus Emmanuel. And we've been taking some time over the last couple of weeks, just to, to talk about him, to talk about Jesus, to talk about how present he is in our lives. And, uh, you know, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 11 that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so, you know, so much of our Christmas celebration, celebrating focuses on that Jesus of yesterday, on the Jesus that we find you know, in those first pages of the Gospels and the story that so many of us know so well. But the truth is that he does not sleep on a bed made of hay. He is not wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. The wise men long ago gave him their gifts. Long ago, the shepherds came and worshipped you know, so while this one that you are on a collision course with is the same, because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, in some ways, he's not the same as that Jesus that we're introduced to in the first Christmas. Of this Jesus, the Bible says that he shall reign forever and ever to the glory of God the Father 
and to the admiration and astonishment of the whole world. You are going to be astonished by Jesus. You are going to be overwhelmed by Jesus. This world is just going to, they're going to have an encounter with Jesus that is just going to be overpowering. And that is part of what we are celebrating at Christmas. Who is this one that we're on a collision course with? What's the nature of the collision that he is bringing to our world? We're going to pray again just briefly, and then we're going to look at the Word of God and just talk about this. So, Father, we thank you today again for your Son, Jesus. We thank you for that one who came down from heaven, who was made in our image and and suffered and lived and knew what it was to be one of us so that in his life and in his death and in his resurrection, we can have salvation in the name of Jesus. And so, Father, as we celebrate your Son today, God, I ask that you would open every heart here and open every mind here, God. We just pray that, Father, you would come and move and work in each one of us and that, Father, we would leave today encouraged. We would leave today knowing you better. We would leave today changed in the way we think about who we are, the world that we live in, and the fact that you are here for us. And so, Father, I pray your blessing on me as I speak the word and on this this congregation as, as they receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. So you are on a collision course with eternity. Everybody is on this collision course with eternity. A collision course with forever. A collision course with Jesus. So, you know, if you've got your Bible, you can turn to it. It's going to be on your screen, but we're going to turn to the the book of Philippians, uh, chapter 2, and starting in verse 6, this is what it says. It says, Though he, that is Christ Jesus, was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave. Can you imagine that? This is God we're talking about. He takes the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. So this passage, you know, this passage is talking about uh, the advent, that first advent, that first Christmas, the first uh, the first advent, right? As you know, advent is a fancy word um, uh, for the Christmas season. And maybe you didn't know that, but now you do. It's it's a word that just talks, it means it means to appear to arrive. And it's the word that we use to talk about this occasion, this celebration of the arrival and the appearance and the incarnation of the second person of the Trinity, the Son of God. As you know, we worship one God. Amen? But he is three persons. He is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so we sing praise the Father, praise the Son, praise the Spirit, three in one. One God, but in three persons. And so this Second, this second person of the Trinity, the Son of God, left the glory of heaven and the partnership and those divine privileges of Godhead. And, and it's the, the Bible says he emptied himself and he became a man. Uh, and, and, you know, it's what was Mary told by the angel Gabriel when, she came, when he came to announce to her 
that she was chosen to be the mother of Jesus, right? He said, you will conceive and give birth to a son. You will name him Jesus. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby who will be born, who the, so the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. The Son of God was born into our world as a human being as Jesus, and all the things that are true about you and I are essentially true about Jesus. He had five fingers on each hand. He had five fingers on each toe, toes, on each feet. <laughs> okay, he, he was a perfect child. Let's just put it that way. No, no blemishes on him. Perfect little child. Um, he had five senses through which to understand the world that he had become a part of. You know that God doesn't apprehend the world through five senses. God apprehends all the world immediately. He has every sense you could possibly, we don't know, he's God. But he doesn't need to touch things to understand them. He's God, right? He doesn't need five senses to understand you. Um, but Jesus humbled himself this way to have to understand the world that he was living in through these five senses. He put his tunic on, one sleeve at a time. He had normal human experiences. He got hungry. Uh, he got tired. He could be sad. He could be angry. Sounds like all of us, right? Um, but uh, he could be emotionally distressed. He could be tempted to do what was wrong. And uh, as we know in this, in this last point, that really he was significantly different from us in our human experience. Um, the word of God is clear that Jesus never gave in to temptation, right? Rather, as our passage said, when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself. He humbled himself in obedience to God. And we know that in that obedience, uh, while it led the Lord to live a sinless life, it also led him to the cross to die the death of a criminal and give his life for those who all we do is give in to temptation. <laughs> You know, maybe that's not all you do, but, but we do it often enough, right? And we need a Savior because we are sinners. Almost the whole of Jesus' earthly life is really covered in these two verses. Two verses of Scripture. As God, he humbles himself to become a man. And as the God-man, he humbles himself before his Father and for sinful people to die for them and to become their Savior. That is the advent of yesterday, the advent of that first Christmas. But the reality is that Christmas is not just a proclamation that Jesus came. Christmas isn't saying once upon a time in a little Judean village far, far away. That's not what Christmas is saying, right? Christmas uh, and, and the idea of Advent, the idea of Advent as a tradition is that it's actually a serious and solemn time. I was reading uh, the definition of Advent. It's a time of solemn prayer and fasting, 
right? Um, which I know we are all, that's, that's what we're doing? We're all, we're all fasting, right? <laughs> no. We are celebrating. We are, we put an extra E in that fasting word and we changed it into feasting, right? Because, because it's a good time, amen? And, uh, but, but the tradition is that it's a solemn and serious time. And the reason for that is because it's a time to reflect not on the fact that Jesus came, but on the fact that Jesus is coming again. That there is going to be another advent, right? Another appearing, another arrival. You see, while Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, his advent for forever will look a little different from the advent of yesterday, the advent of Christmas. So if you were just going to turn back to that scripture and read a little further, it says, therefore, starting in verse 9, because Christ humbled himself, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That is the advent of forever, the advent that is to come. That is what the rest of our scripture is talking about, the coming of Jesus, not as a helpless child to a humble stable in Bethlehem, but he is coming as Jesus Christ, the glorious Son of God. You know, in the first advent, people asked, where is the King of the Jews? Where is the king of the Jews? In the advent of forever, no one will ask that question because every eye will see him. Every eye will see, see him. In the first advent, he was called Jesus. And most people thought he was the son of a carpenter named Joseph. In the advent of forever, he shall be called wonderful Counselor, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, Messiah and Morning Star, Alpha and Omega, Beginning and End, the First and the Last, Faithful and True, Refiner and Purifier, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, Holy and Righteous, Heir of all things, and God over all. And we're still going to just call him Jesus. We're going to call him Jesus when he comes back. Jesus. Because even though all of those names are his name, the name above every name is Jesus. And it's above every name because he came down to be so low. He made himself nothing. And so God decided to make him everything. You know, and that's our Savior. That's who is coming back. In the first advent, Christ was born to die, that man might live, as the song says. But in the advent of forever, he comes as the living one. I was dead, he says, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and of Hades. He comes as the one who has life in himself, as the one who cannot die, who is the source of life in others and in all things, and has the power to recall the dead 
to life. We are going to experience this Jesus. In the first advent, he was put on trial and condemned to death. In the advent of forever, he comes as the judge of the living and the dead. In the first advent, he said of himself, my kingdom is not of this world. But in the advent of forever, the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever and ever and ever. You know, it's a bit of an upgraded Jesus, right? He's downloaded the OS forever operating system. That's what's happening, right? He is a little bit amped up here. The government will rest upon his shoulders. And of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. You know, the first advent was a silent night. The advent of forever is a collision. It's a collision. What will it look like? What will it look like? This collision of our world with Jesus. See, that old, that, that old advent, I'm going to give it the old, it's an old advent. We've got a new one that's coming. It was quiet. It happened in a no place. It was no place. It, it wasn't like it happened in Rome, the center of power. It didn't happen in Jerusalem even the center of the Jewish world, which, if you know anything about it, was not big. It's only about 100,000 people there. This happened in a very small place, and very few people knew about it. But what is going to happen when Jesus comes for forever? We are all going to know about it. What's it going to look like when the kingdom of this world collides with the king of kings? What does it look like when unrighteousness collides with righteousness? When wickedness has a good run-in with goodness? What does it look like when injustice collides with justice? I've got a video that we're going to, and maybe this will help, give you just a little bit of a picture. A terrifying picture. <laughs> Take a look.
Merry Christmas, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> the end of the world as you know it. The poor Japan. Did you see that? Japan just getting carried away by a big tidal wave. They get it again, right? Poor Japan. But it's the end of the world. And I know that sounds terrible. <laughs> that sounds like, what are you talking about, Luke? I, I, I don't think I can, I, I don't really want to anticipate that. Like, that doesn't look very good to me. But that's just meant to give you an image. What does it look like when Jesus arrives and everything begins to change? It's the end of the world that you know in the way that you know it, right? Christmas proclaims that there will be an end to a mess. The world that you and I live in is, I think we would agree, messy. It's not, everything is not in its place. Things don't happen the way they should happen. In fact, so often they happen the way we don't want them to happen. And so we know that our world is a mess. And Christmas is a proclamation that this mess is going to be set right. This mess is going to be put right. There is going to be an end of selfishness, an end of greed, of lying, of manipulation, an end of abuse, of drug, drug addiction. Can you imagine a world where there's no drug addiction? Where, where people don't hate themselves and harm themselves, where no one feels lonely. An end of violence and crime, an end of people feeling unsafe. An end of injustice and double standards and bribery and backroom deals, an end of racism and misogyny and all of the responses to that, like feminism. Feminism will also end. Um, an end of politics, an end of politics. There won't be any more left left. But I, I, think, I think the old Carol says the, the right prevails, right? Is that how it goes? Yeah. But there won't be politics. Um, the end of taxes, maybe? Yeah, money-grubbing. It's a money-grubbing world we live in, right? An end of scarcity. An end of need. An end of poverty. An end of homelessness. Uh, an end of sickness, disease. An end of mental health problems. An end of misunderstanding. An end of broken relationships. An end of feeling like you don't measure up or being driven to keep up with everybody else. An end of stress and anxiety. We all, we all die with full heads of hair. Um, <laughs> an end of fear. An end of fear. No fear left. An end of death itself. You know, you name a thing that you think is wrong with the world, and that thing will be at an end when Jesus returns for forever. It will be at an end. It will be dealt with by Jesus. 
He is going to bring an incredible uh, expression of his kingdom. It will be the end of a mess. And it will be end, uh, you know, it's going to be a little bit tough, I think, on our world. I think the end of the world as I know it, the end of my way of thinking, the the end of my habits, the end of, of the way that I do life, and, you know, I know I'm a believer and hopefully I'm growing in the way I do life, but, but I still have problems uh, and, and I don't like to show those to everybody and that's one of my problems. <laughs> but there's going to be an end of the mess. It's going to be tough on the world. It's going to really shake everybody up. Everybody is going to get shaken up by this. And, you know, I mean, I mean, we shrink the budget of our province by 3%, and you would think that was the end of the world. But here's the thing. You and I, without even knowing it, we construct the way we think and live as individuals and as societies and cultures around the mess. We actually build our lives around the mess. And I don't know that it's because we like the mess. Sometimes we're trying to protect ourselves from the mess. But we are all focused on the mess and how we're going to fix it. And that's why we have a legal system. Right? A legal system is there because when somebody does something wrong to me that I feel is unjust and unfair, I have recourse through a legal system that recognizes that we're in a mess. That's what the legal system is a recognition of, that our world is a mess. When I, you or I or anybody gets ill, we have a healthcare system. And... We invest billions and billions and billions of dollars around the mess of our health. We have pension plans and RSPs to make sure we have something to live off of when there isn't much of life left to be lived. So we're spending most of our We just finished our series on work. We spend huge quantities of time around the fact that our life is going to end. That we're going to come to a point where working isn't going to work anymore. And so we need some money so that we've got some food to eat and a comfortable place to live. So we're building our lives around this mess. And... The thing is, Jesus is going to come and clean up the mess. So here's the thing. The whole purpose of our life is off. The whole purpose of life is off. Most of us are just trying to survive the mess, right? Some days I'm doing it a little bit better than some of you. But, you know, this collision with Jesus, 
will be the end of just trying to survive, right? Or just trying to do it a little bit better than the next person. It's going to be the end of all of that. And he's the end not because the world explodes in a cataclysmic disaster, but it's the end simply because Jesus, in all that he is, and he is love, and he is joy, he is peace, he's goodness, kindness, he's hope, he's grace, he's generosity, he's health, he's wholeness. Jesus, being all of this, will simply overwhelm. He will simply overwhelm and disarm all resistance. It will just vanish. Resistance, you can't resist Jesus. You know, you can resist Jesus now, but you can't resist him then. You can't resist him then. You know, Pastor Greg was talking last night, last week about, you know, Moses' encounter with, with God. And God said, you know, you cannot see me and live. Disease cannot see Jesus and live. Poverty cannot see the Son of God and live. It shrivels right up. It evaporates. Mental health problems evaporate in the presence of Jesus, the Son of God. He will obliterate evil. It will be obliterated. Just just, just like that picture. I didn't show you the whole of it because it was just terrible. <laughs> like the entire globe wrapped in flames of fire. That's what's going to happen to evil. That's what's going to happen to injustice. It will be terminated. And that's pretty epic. What a day. I'm going to tell you, every hair will stand on the, up on the back of your head and everybody else's head. It's going to be hair-raising. It's going to be spine-tingling. It's going to be shiver-inducing. It's going to be jaw-dropping. It's going to be breathtaking. It's going to be pants-wetting. That moment when the kingdom of God arrives and smashes into this world that is such a mess. When a perfect world encounters a world that's in a mess. And every evil, every injustice, every lie, every oppressive thing will be put at an end, and people are going to be set free. I mean, just set free. Total freedom. Total and complete freedom. And he shall reign forever, and ever, and ever, and ever, and ever, and ever, and you could just go on. And it's just going to go on forever. 
and ever and ever. And of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. I'm telling you, there will be no end of joy. There will be no end of peace. You will know no end of thanksgiving. There will be no end of wonder and awe because there will be no end of Jesus. There will be no end of Jesus. Hallelujah. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. All of us, every one of us, this whole world is on a collision course with Jesus. And and what's the importance of that for you and for I today as we celebrate Christmas? You know, we don't know when this collision will be. It's not here yet. We know that much. But we don't know when it will happen. The Bible says that no one knows the day or the hour when forever will start. No one knows. It will come as a thief in the night when it's least expected. That's when it's going to arrive. That's when Jesus is going to arrive. When the whole world doesn't expect it. They say one of these planet, these comets, these meteors, is projected potentially to hit the Earth in 2029. So that gives us, well, 10 years after global warming devours the planet, right? So, so if we survive global warming, who knows? We've got, we've got the future of the planet worked out, right? What we don't have worked out is Jesus. What we don't have worked out is, is the advent of forever. We don't have it worked out. We can't say when it's going to happen, when it's going to come, when this whole mess of our world is going to collide with Jesus. You know, the thing about a collision is it would probably never happen if it was expected. Collisions don't happen if they're expected. The other day I was coming home from work, turned off the road into my street, and almost ran into two other cars that had collided. I, I don't know how they had collided. I hadn't seen it. But it, it, from, from the scene, it looked like they must have head-on and bounced off of each other. One was on one, in one lane. The other was skidded over to the other curb, and there was just bits of car everywhere. You couldn't drive through it. It was such a mess. Um, and you know, the thing is, I'm sure both drivers would have preferred to avoid the mess. That's what they would have wanted to do, is just not have that happen on your Friday afternoon during Christmas. Not what you planned for, right? Um, but they didn't know it was going to happen. It came unexpectedly. And that is the coming of forever. It's going to come unexpectedly. And the, the thing about it is that it should not come unexpectedly for you and I. We have placed our trust in Christ. This should not come to us unexpectedly. But how can you avoid, just two things on how can you avoid getting in a mess at the advent of forever? How can we avoid getting in a mess it's going to be messy, so what can we do to make this work as good as possible for us, right? Um, well, number one is 
to anticipate the collision. Anticipate the collision and let Jesus mess with you now. That's the best, right? Let Jesus get into your space now. Let him start working on your selfishness now. Let him start working on your pride now. Let him start working on your anger now, my anger now. Let him start working on my unthankfulness now, right? Jesus is going to come and he's going to deal with all the problems of all the world. But he could just deal with mine right now. And here's the thing, the problem with most of us, the problem with our world, is that we are more comfortable with our mess than we are with our Messiah. We're more comfortable with the mess. And, and the reality is because Jesus, Jesus is uncomfortable. Jesus makes us feel uncomfortable, right? He... he we know we're selfish when we're with Jesus. We know we're proud when we're with Jesus. You know, all of these things that we know aren't great about ourselves, when we're with Jesus, it's like, you know, it's not always the cream that rises to the top, right? Sometimes it's the mud and the muck that surfaces. And here's the thing, Jesus is okay with that. That's why he came. That's why he came. Right? Is so that I can let him start working in me now. Why wait? Why wait? You know, one of my favorite Christmas movies is, is the uh, Christmas classic, A Christmas Carol. Alistair Sim playing Ebenezer Scrooge. If you know the, the story, he spent his whole life building up wealth, never gives any away, never even spends any on himself. There's the scene where he's, you know, it's Christmas Eve and he's going home from work and he's getting dinner and uh, he wants more bread. And the, uh, the server's like, more bread's going to cost you. No more bread. Like he won't even spend his money on himself, Right? And then, of course, that night he has that visitation from five ghosts, right? His friend, Jacob, who's gone ahead, and, uh, and the ghosts of Christmas past, Christmas present, and Christmas yet to come. And at different times he says to these ghosts, oh, I'm, I'm too old to change. I'm too set in my ways. Go talk to someone else who can benefit. And we don't want to be that. We know the end of Scrooge. It was great, right? He did change. But we have to admit that we're a little bit like Scrooge. And we'd rather not change. <laughs> we'd rather not. We're comfortable with the mess that we live in. But the truth is, if we let Jesus mess with us now, when he comes again, he won't be colliding with you because you'll be ready for him. You'll anticipate him. You'll be ready for him. And you know, the other thing just to challenge you with today is that we spend so much time, we spend so much time focused on the mess and how, how to make the best of the mess. 
And the thing is, Christmas is calling us to focus on Jesus. Jesus is the center, not the mess, right? We get our, we get our eyes on the wrong stuff. We get our eyes on the mess, and we start building our whole life around this mess. And Christmas says, build your life around Jesus. Build your life around Jesus. Build your life around his joy. Build your life around love. Build your life around faith. Build your life around hope. Build your life around generosity. You build your life around Jesus and celebrate him. Amen? The world is a mess, but it needs to see a church that is celebrating Jesus, that is not focused on the mess, but is able to bring Jesus into the mess because we are so in love with him and we're letting him mess with us. And so, you know, we want to be ready for Jesus. That's what Christmas is all about, letting Jesus come now, inviting him into our lives, maybe for the first time, maybe in a fresh way, so that we are more and more and more and more and more prepared for when he finally does come, so that instead of a collision, a collision it's really just the merriest Christmas we could ever have. And, you know, so, so it's an opportunity of praise. When Jesus arrives, it's not like, oh my goodness. It's like, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise the Father. Praise the Son. Praise the Spirit. Three in one. Hallelujah. God Almighty, King of Kings, praise forever to the King of Kings. That's what it's meant to be. Amen? And so I want to just pray with you as we just conclude our service here today. You know, the question is, are you ready for forever? Are you ready for Jesus? That's what Advent is supposed to be about. Am I ready for Jesus? The only way to be ready for Jesus is to know him personally and to build your life around him. Who's that?